This week, let's talk about company sizes and development practices. Particularly, let's talk about Boeing and Instagram. Does it make sense to treat software projects at Boeing the same way you treat software projects at Instagram? Obviously not, but let's talk about why. In software development as a practice, we tend to treat software like math, because it is. There are hard rules about testing and repeating yourself, but in business, rules are a little bit more flexible. You don't always have budget for the ideal. You have to deal with the realm of the, the possible. So Boeing and Instagram both need software. How do you decide how to appropriately hire for your team, pay them, manage them, test the software, deploy the software, organize updates and deployments? Well, if you're a fan of Wu-Tang, you know, cash rules everything around me. Cream. (laughs) And you need to take the dollar value of failure into account when you're thinking about managing your project. If Boeing software fails, people die. It's a little bit hard putting a dollar value on death, but let's agree that it's astronomically high. If Instagram, particularly early Instagram fails, a customer who's not paying for a service, you don't pay for Instagram, might get pissed off. They might not come back. That customer generates money for you in ad revenue, but let's just agree that it's less of a cost than if somebody dies flying in a a Boeing plane. Okay, it's easy to imagine those Instagram and Boeing be different, but there's a whole spectrum in software development and in in business of, of cost, right? Uh, Lamar Media is another example. They have a product that, a digital billboard that you drive by. What about that? What's the cost of, of software failure on that project? Different costs require different approaches. And most advice is geared towards big established software companies that are fully staffed and fully funded Basically, the Boeings of the world. I mean, Boeing isn't a software company. They didn't take software seriously. That's why they're in the news. But still, their approach should be very different from an approach for a startup like Instagram was once. Like we said before, advice says software companies need to test and follow agile methods. Don't repeat themselves. Keep a good developer culture. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But startups, frequently you can't afford to test. And what if your whole app is a test? Get something quick and dirty to market to see if it works. How can you be lean as a startup and employ project managers and DevOps people and architects and testers who might be sitting around most of the time at an early stage There might not be a whole lot of testing to do because there's nothing to test. You're still building. And startups also frequently have 
a culture that's antithetical to good software craftsmanship. Many people who've worked at startups can appreciate this. You gotta grind to get the product out, get it out quickly at most startups. Because you're, you're constrained by time, you're constrained by budget. Everybody's working and grinding hard and you don't have time for the reflection and brain work that many software developers enjoy and that is promoted by many software development Bibles, let's say. You have to be speedy to market. And here's an example. Any, anybody who knows about test-driven development knows that it's fantastic. It's very speedy to change after your project is up. But I would argue that there's an initial curve where test-driven test development gets you to market a little bit slower at the beginning. So for some startups, maybe TDD isn't the way to go. And sometimes this is true not only for startups, but for software development companies themselves. Sometimes a software development company will move quick, dirtily, inherit a ton of technical debt to get ahead of the market. There's a great podcast by Charles Edge called The History of Computing. I would look for the episode entitled OS2. It's about IBM's flagship operating system for the PC and Microsoft and how Microsoft basically went quick and dirty and inherited a ton ton of technical debt and became the market leader. So there are different approaches. Startups need to be quick and dirty. Some places can't and shouldn't. Boeing's a great example. Researchers at universities also get this kind of luxury of doing things the best way all the time. NASA has to as well. There are other companies who maybe aren't as mission critical, but also make it their ethos to follow these development best practices, even though they are a little bit startup-y. Like, Proton Mail stands out to me. It's a bunch of ex-scientist guys who want to do things the right way the first time. And that might mean they're a little slow to market, but that's, that's what you're buying as a Proton Mail customer. From an employee perspective, I think this means you need to hire different people at different stages of your company or contract or onboard. In an early stage, you need guys that are ready to go fast and hard. They have varied experience. They've seen good projects and bad projects, so they know what to look for. There are transition guys who take this technical debt and market share that you've gained early in your startup and start to professionalize, start to move towards best practices, start to refactor, start to reorganize. And those early guys might not be good refactorers and vice versa. And then they're what, what let's call the late guys, the guys who want to show up, chip away at, at products and features in a structured way, always using best practices always showing up at 9 and leaving at 5 or 11 till 8 or whatever you whatever hours your developers keep 
the point is that there, there's different approaches and different people that probably serve you best for each stage of your business. And that's not always reflected in developer culture or literature. We, we often take these, our NASA developers and put them on a pedestal. When there are a lot of hackers out there in the world who are doing great work and, and making great businesses and not necessarily following these rules that we put in books and many podcasts even. Other things to note is starting with technical debt doesn't mean you end that way. People might balk at the idea of building some quick and dirty product, but you build it to gain market share. You build it so you can do the good math work that your, your developers want to do later. Another thing business people in particular need to keep in mind is be ready to make the transition. Know when it's time to turn the taps, change your strategy. We've talked about technical debt, but understand at the beginning when you are inheriting technical debt that, hey, this is something we're going to have to slow down innovation and repair or refactor later. Another note, outsourcing can fix some of this. Not all of this, but particularly in an early stage, if you need somebody to build something quickly, probably better to hire a team. You might get more out of it. You might inherit less technical debt because maybe this team has built this thing before. That's all for this week, guys. Eat your veggies. We'll see you next week. Bye.